welcome to episode 12 of the One Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Graby. Our mission in One Life is to inspire you to take risks, dream big, and to live your life on purpose. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely, that's right. That's what we're doing around here. Guys, we want to take a second to tell you about our amazing sponsors who make this happen. Y'all, today's sponsor is the one, the only, the Brooks at Weatherford. It's a wedding chapel and event venue tucked amongst the rolling hills of beautiful Weatherford, Texas. Whether you're a small or large event, wedding day or corporate gathering, the Brooks at Weatherford will provide the most beautiful atmosphere for you and your special day. So make sure you head over to thebrooksatweatherford.com and check them out. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, a little known fact about the Brooks at Weatherford. If you go to the website, there's a picture of a blonde girl Mm. in a wedding dress. I totally make out. <laughs> and I was totally pregnant in that picture, and I squeezed in to my wedding dress. How many years later? 12 or 13? 12 years after that? we were married. Oh, that's impressive. Grabbed my wedding dress, zipped it up barely. With a little baby in the bump in the front. <laughs> and pretended that I was a bride so that they mm. would have some pictures for their website. Well, you were a bride. You're a bride. <laughs> You're always a bride. You're my bride. Yes. Quite funny. Quite awesome. Such an honor to do that. So go check out the Brooks. So check out the Brooks. Speaking of special honor, man, we have such a special episode today, don't we? Absolutely. You know, you guys are going to love this guest. When you look up the word passion (laughs) in the dictionary, you'll find a picture of this man right here. For sure. No doubt about it. One of the things that stood out to me about today's guest was years ago when I was a young speaker guy out there on the speaking circuit, and I was speaking at an event in upstate New York, and I came across this gentleman, and what stood out to me was... One, how long you've been doing it? I mean, 40 years, close to 40 years of doing the same thing that you love and that you're passionate about. It's almost unheard of. Right. And this guy, just there was something special about him, something different. He had a heart to see people's lives changed. And so I wanted to get close to him, learn from him, and see what I could pick up from him because, gosh, he was making a huge impact in the world. And little did I know that this man was a huge impact on my wife years before we met. Pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, you don't know something is possible until you encounter it. And when I was just a little girl, God brought someone into my life who showed me it was possible to love Jesus with every single drop of your life. And I remember a seed was planted in me. I remember thinking, I want to love Jesus like that. I want to live my life completely sold out to God like that. So he was that person for me that showed me that that level of passion was possible. Yeah. So when you guys listen today, make sure you listen to the fact that he is still on fire, probably more so today than he was the day he started doing this over 40 years ago. Yes. That alone is one of the most impressive things. And so Folks, we are talking about the one, the only, Mr. Ken Freeman. Yes, he is a very well-known, very beloved speaker, author, and mentor to so many. And he's a mentor to us. He has impacted our lives directly and indirectly for many, many years and the lives of so many others. And I know that your life is going to be impacted as well. So as I like to say, ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. This one's going to be a good one. Ken, thank you so much for being here with us. We are honored to have you today. Oh, I'm glad that we could be here. I'm excited the fact that what technology can do for us today, how the, <laughs> you know, I'm 65 years old. So to see all this transpire, it's incredible what we can do now, how we can get the gospel out as well. 
Absolutely. So Ken, you and I go way back. I remember at a very young age, just this larger than life guy with crazy hair and tattoos coming in, talking all about Jesus and how he could change your life. You were definitely, I'd say, my first encounter with a Jesus freak. And I mean that in the best possible way. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. I had a cross in the back of my head, too, probably. You absolutely had a cross in the back of your head. I think you started that trend, and it took over all of San Antonio. (laughs) It did, I think. It did. But seriously, you were, without a doubt, one of the strongest voices in my life growing up, pointing me to God and somehow making it seem just really cool to love Jesus. So... I have to say thank you so much for just doing what you do and for the impact you had on my life and I, I know so many others. Well, I always tell people anything good in me is Jesus. Anything bad in me, that's me. So hopefully we'll see him more than they see me. That's great. So, all right. So we got tons that we want to cover. You've got an amazing story and your life has been completely changed. And so I want you to just kind of take a second and share with our listeners your background, your story, and how you kind of ended up becoming this Jesus freak and going into four decades of ministry. Yeah. Um, I speak in school assemblies and I'll do, I'll do anywhere from six to 10, 12 school assemblies a week. And so I'm sharing my story every, almost every single day, at least every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. I relate to a lot of students because of my nine stepfathers in my life. I was in jail at 15, became a product of my environment, uh, was suicidal at 10 after one of my dads beat me pretty bad. I won't ever forget that. I tell students, I don't know that anybody wants to die. We just, we got to find a reason to live. Took my first drink of alcohol at nine. And uh, my dad walked out of my life when I was four. He was, you know, I tell people he was a gutless man. Knew He knew how to make a baby. Didn't want to be a daddy to a baby. My mom was an alcoholic. I grew up in bars, streets, cars, alleys, backyards. I'm the oldest of eight siblings. That's my family. It's kind of what I grew up in. And so my mom would beat us from time to time. She'd come in early in the morning from, you know, working at a bar. And so we got smart. By the time I was 10, my sister was eight. We slept in our school clothes at night. And uh, from the age of 10 to almost 15, I slept pretty much every night on the floor next to my baby sister's bed. And that way, when my mom drove up, if I heard her, we would slip out the back door, hide in the garage, a street, an alley, a park. And after a couple of hours, we could slip back in and get a good night's rest. So that's kind of kind of what I grew up in. I, I, I tell students, I tell people, I should be a wife beater, a child abuser, a drug user, an alcoholic. There's a lot of things that I should be that I think that the enemy and statistics say that I should be. But in October of 1968, all that changed. Uh, living on a couch, a family took me in, kind of like the Blindside movie. I tell them I'm just a different color, and I was a lot smaller than him. <laughs> but, li- <laughs> but I'm living on a couch like this dude in Corpus Christi, Texas, and football player got me to go to church, and I got saved. That's amazing. So. What a story, man. Gosh, man, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. And, you know, our whole thing is helping people take risks, dream dreams, and live their life on purpose. And, man, you really did have an opportunity to go the absolute wrong direction. But I want you to unpack a little bit for us how you encountered God with this football player in the church and really discovered your purpose. And I'd love to hear your purpose in life in what you're doing. You know, uh, this is a statement I just recently found. It says that you have to be willing to take risk 
And the more risk you take, the more rewards. And so risk always equals rewards. And when we're willing to take a risk, you know, just like what you guys are doing, you know, stepping out into a new ministry, you've taken a risk, but the more risk, the more rewards. Yeah. Hmm. And so my purpose is, you know, I was an insecure, shy, suicidal little boy, depressed. But uh, October of 1968, on a Wednesday night, I go to church to hear this guy preach. And, you know, I went because of the girls and the food. I tell people I was into chicks and chicken. <laughs> and um, and so the guy got me to go. When I got there, we weren't going to eat till after. My first time to go to church, I'm, I joined the youth choir with this dude. I'm in the choir. I mean... <laughs> I'm not on the back row. I could cuss wallpaper off a wall. I'm in the youth choir and uh, there's so much humor to it. But that night sitting in the choir, this guy was preaching. He was a hellfire damnation preacher. I mean, he, he literally probably scared the hell out of me uh, (laughs) to get heaven in me. But, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if it was just his sermon, but it was the fact that Jeff got me there, but this guy was making it and I could see he had some purpose in his life. And so October 1968, first time I ever heard the gospel, first time I ever went to church, I gave my life to Christ, and um, it changed everything. I ended up, Malcolm and Johnny Granger, who I call my Jesus parents, they were at the church in Corpus where I was saved. Uh, They took me in as a junior. I lived in a camper that was shoved up in their carport. I thought it was a condo, so I was okay. (laughs) And um, so I lived in this camper and graduated from high school. Got a couple of years of college, met my wife. You know, my purpose is those who have been wounded deeply, God can use greatly. And we live in a very wounded world. Absolutely. Dysfunctional homes, abusive homes. I mean, you look at all the, you you look at the shooting that was about 40 minutes from San Antonio, a guy kills half the congregation. There's constant fear in our life. And, um, So my purpose is to give people hope, help, and let them know that there can be some healing in their life. I spoke last night at our Celebrate Recovery, and, you know, Celebrate Recovery is for people who have habits, hurt, and Mm hang-ups. And so all of us are there. The other thing I tell people, God can take a mess and make it a message, but we've got to be willing to break those chains of divorce and hate and alcohol and abuse. You break those chains and you start a new chain. So I would just say my ultimate purpose is I want to see people saved. I've been doing it almost 40 years on the road full time. I worked in the church a little bit, but then God delivered me from the church. I jokingly say that. (laughs) I just didn't fit in the church, but I love the church. And so I love seeing people saved. I love seeing saved people restored, broken people put back together, people who can't hear begin to hear and listen and so my purpose is it's just proclaiming Jesus in a different way. Um, I've always been different in my preaching and my approach to the gospel. And so that would be my purpose. It's to help broken people, to help them realize that Jesus can take broken pieces and make them a masterpiece. That's so good. I love that so much, Ken. And one of the things that I admire so much about you is you've been in ministry now for almost 40 years, and you honestly have the same passion and fire today that I remember you having as a kid. I mean, (laughs) talk to us about how you maintain that kind of passion and energy in what you do. 
Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, my wife taught you in the second grade, I think. She did. She was hands down one of my favorite teachers, for sure. <laughs> and then I did a lot of chapels also during that time as well. You, you know, did. The, the way you keep your passion, of course, I, I now I have 10 grandkids, so <laughs> you got to be passionate about something. But your passion is created by what you fill your life with. And I'm constantly in the Word. Uh, I constantly try to stay filled with the Spirit of God and to stay faithful. So I tell people, you know, my passion comes from the Word of God. Every day I'm in the Word. I, I have people sending me scriptures. I send scriptures. So the Word of God gives you passion. The Spirit of God gives you passion. And um, staying faithful. When you remain faithful to your calling, stay filled with the Spirit, and stay focused in God's Word, you'll be passionate about the right things. You'll be passionate about your family, about friendships. You'll be passionate about your church. Um, passion comes from who you surround yourself with, Mm -hmm. uh, what you pour into your life, the books you read, music you listen to, all of that. But I, I would say my greatest passion comes from knowing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, relying on the Spirit of God, and just staying faithful. That's so good. Agree. Totally. I have another question. When you jumped into full-time ministry, you know, it's easy to look at you now after 40 years of success and go, okay, it's probably always been easy, but I know that's not true. I know there's undoubtedly been moments where you probably think to yourself, what in the world am I doing? <laughs> you know, we all have those. Yeah, so take us yeah. there. Has there ever been moments that you thought, what in the world am I doing? Should I just go get, you know, a normal job? And how did you keep going and persevere through that? Well, here's the deal. I've been on the road for almost 40 years. But for about seven or eight years, I actually was a student pastor and a worship leader. I used to sing a lot. And um, yeah, I hear Jenny might have gotten your. I had your, your tape. I wore that cassette <laughs> oh, tape out. <laughs> we can we can find that and put that on we iTunes. Can for the show notes. No, everybody, what do you think? Let's don't do. Let's don't do that. <laughs> but so I did that for about six or seven years, and then I went into evangelism. And you know, the people that you love the most are the ones that hurt you the most. Mm. That's just how the devil sets that up. I got hurt in the church a lot because I didn't fit right. I colored outside the lines. Bottom line is people hurt me in the church. Uh, you know, I'm laying on the floor and I'm thinking, God, I'd be better off getting out of here if this is what church is. Mm -hmm. And then that's when God pointed me to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You know, that night he woke me up. He said, I got to quit looking at people because people are going to let you down. But when you stay focused on Jesus, I mean, I've been hurt by some people who I thought were my friends and ended up it was not so. And, you know, there's always going to be bumps. Four years ago, we lost our seven-year-old grandson to leukemia. We couldn't beat that fight. And um, he died in September 1st, 2013. That was probably the roughest time in our family's life. Somebody asked you know, what was the hardest part of losing your grandson? Well, I couldn't fix it for my son. I could fix everything for my boys, yeah. money, clothes, food, car, but I couldn't fix that. And um, we watched him deteriorate on January the 8th. One eight is a very important number. He asked his mom in, at the age of six if he was going to die. And he was in children's Dallas Children's Medical City Hospital. She said, you know, God, God's not done with you, Trey. And Trey got saved that night. He said, I want to be saved. They talked about it. And Trey was a smart six-year-old, I'm just telling you. And uh, about seven months later, 
the older three older siblings, my son and his wife were in the eleventh floor where he was born on September first, two thousand four. He asked his mom again, "Now I'm going to die, right?" Because he knew his body was shutting down. And Emily made the statement. Uh, Trey, you're born again. You're never going to die. You're getting ready to really live. So there's been bumps in family, church, tragedy. And the deal is those who have been wounded deeply, God will use greatly. Jesus being that example. Just because you get saved don't mean you're not going to have problems. You know, the enemy's going to come against us. Every day he comes against us. That's where, again, you come back, you stay in the Word, the, the Spirit, stay faithful, stay focused. It's not easy. I mean, you look you look at a pastor that's got, came back to his church, 26 people dead. One is 14-year-old daughter that he adopted. And, the, and his wife said, at least my daughter died in church doing what she loved doing. So there's always a, a, a silver lining somewhere. It's just not fun sometimes. And But let me tell you, I'd rather be serving Jesus and going through all this than not having it. Oh, it's so good. And it's amazing your journey where you came from and what God and what he brought you out of and to see what the impact you've been able to make on people's lives and to even hear you talk about your purpose, but mainly your family. I just want to take a second because I think it's so important for people to understand. I think sometimes when we think of purpose, we can start to think about our careers and the things that we get excited about. But I think one of the things that I'm hearing from you is that your family and what you saw or didn't see in a father and a mother, mm -hmm. uh, that you kind of made the decision to make part of your purpose being a dad and a grandfather to 10. Tell me a little bit about that. The way you approach being a father and a grandfather, in a sense, changed a generation, staying in the gap mm -hmm. for your family and for your future. Well, you know, Psalms 2710 says, that though your mom and dad forsake you, Jesus said, I'll receive you. Psalm 68, 5 says he'll be the father to the fatherless. You don't get any instructions when you get kids. Like when you get a new bike, you get, <laughs> so true. You get instructions how to put it together, but right. you're just learning every day. And my purpose was to point him to Jesus, to be that example of Jesus as best as I could, to be real with them. Uh, I mean, I coached them in sports and I spoke at their school and chapels. And so they heard me for years and years. Um, they saw us go through some rough waters in the church in different places, but we made it. And my deal is how do you be a daddy if you've never had a daddy or how do you be a mom if you've never had a mom? And so family's got to be important. My new book is called Choices 101 and every choice we make will affect your family, your friends, your future, and your faith. And so every choice that we make will affect those four areas. You know, 38 million kids in America have no idea where their real father is. 19 million kids in America have never seen their real dad. So for me, you know, I spent time with them. We, we did real things together. They saw me upset. They saw me mad. They saw me happy. They saw how I handled things at the church. And, and also, their friends were always at our house all the time. Their friends were important to us. That was an important area, too. Of course, I when they would come over, we would buy pizza and donuts. And <laughs> oh, yeah. That's whatever. the way to win some friends Absolutely. over. Absolutely. Man. Well, and I asked Jeremy, I says, why don't you ever go to their house? He said, well, we don't like their parents. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, well, what can I do for you not to like me? And they, Stop so feeding they, them. Friend, yeah. Friends like being around us. And, of course, my wife was incredible with kids and everything. So sure. there you go. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Well, Ken, we could just talk with you forever. You've got such an incredible story. And man, just hearing your voice, it just feels like my childhood. It's just the craziest thing. (laughs) I'm just so grateful that you would be here with us today. Real quick, how can our listeners find you? No doubt they're listening going, how can I buy this guy's books, get him to come speak at our church or our gathering? How can they find you and connect with you? Well, if you go to KenFreeman.com, that would be uh, the best way, KenFreeman.com. Again, you can pull up calendar, you can merch, you can look at some of my story. Uh, also, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. All of that stuff is on there where you can follow me. So that would be the best way, and I would love to be in your church. I normally do a Sunday through Wednesday. I'm in schools through the week, inviting them on Wednesday to hear my story. I do camps, retreats. Uh, men's conferences, a little bit of everything. So would love to be there. Yeah, no, that's great. All right. Well, before we close it out, we got a couple questions for you. What's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give the 20-year-old you? But we'll start with the first one. What's a book that's changed your life? Oh, God, there's several. Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. That's probably a book that really grabbed me. It's an older book, but it's still got the same message. And um, Jim Cimbala, he said, um, the word without worship and you'll dry up. Worship without the word, you'll blow up. But if you put worship and the word together, you'll grow up. And uh, so Fresh One, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala would be one. And then I was able to meet Corey Tim Boom. Mm. Corey Tim Boom, who, you know, was set free out of the Holocaust and all that. Anything that you can read by her is incredible. I know you said one. Johnny Erickson is another person. You know, she's my age, paralyzed all her life. But her books have truly, truly inspired me. And so all three of those would be books that have influenced me. No, that's great. Love that. That's great. All right. Now, a habit that has changed your life. Staying in the Word. Being in the Word. I mean, I tell people the more you're in the Word, the more the Word of God will get in you. Mm-hmm. And uh, to know the will of God, you got to know the word of God. Mm-hmm. To know how to walk, you got to know the word. So, you know, you got to make it a habit to be in the word. And that changes you. It changes on the inside. It changes how you look, how you hear. And of course, the other habit is, you know, I'm 65 years old. So I've changed my eating habits. And I, and I say that because our world today, God, we're so unhealthy and so out of shape. Mm-hmm. And so I think that habit has helped me as well physically, and uh, the other one has helped me spiritually. That's huge, yeah. That's great. All right, and last one, the big one. What advice would you give to the 20-year-old you? Wow. <laughs> I would say surround yourself with right people. First Corinthians 15, 33, 34, it says, bad company corrupts good morals or good character. Mm-hmm. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says that too many friends can ruin or destroy a person's life. But you surround yourself with right people, passionate people, people who have a focus, and people who are passionately in love with Jesus. I tell students, your best friend ought to be the Word of God, ought to be Jesus. Your next best friend ought to be people who have a passion for Jesus and a passion for the Word. So I would say the biggest thing is surround yourself with right people that are focused on Jesus, focused on His Word, and, uh, you know, follow your heart. And just dream some dreams and pray that those dreams come true. 
It's so good. That's great. Well, Ken, thank you so much for sharing with our audience today. For everybody listening, head on over to KenFreeman.com. Follow him on his social media feeds. Be praying for him. He's making a huge impact. Thank you for impacting our lives and my wife and her entire family. You have been such an inspiration, man. Thank you so much, Ken, for being here today. You are the best. Sure. All right. God bless you guys. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Man, so, so thankful for Ken and his story and his life. I hope that each and every single one of you are inspired just as much as we were. Yeah. What a hero. What a great example of a life well lived. You know, somebody who's found their purpose and their passion and they've lived it out for 40 years. I mean, can I be like Ken Freeman when I grow up? Thank you, Ken, for being here. And guys, make sure you go check out all of his stuff. Absolutely. One of the things we want to do is take a second, and obviously you heard the story of the tragic events that happened with Ken's grandson. Well, unfortunately, since the taping of this interview, there has been another tragedy that's hit their family, and it's his oldest grandson, Caleb. He was involved in a car accident about a month or so ago. Yeah. And it's, uh, he's fighting, right? He didn't lose his life, but he's fighting hard right now. And there's progress that's being made every single day, but can't even imagine the emotions that are happening there for the family. But just take a second, just pray for his, his grandson, Caleb, and for his parents. Yeah, we know many of you are already aware of Caleb's situation, especially those of our listeners in the Oklahoma area. We know we have quite a few. But for anyone listening right now who is just hearing about this for the first time and you want to join us in praying for Caleb, we're going to make sure we have all the information available in our show notes for this episode on our website. Go to onelife.work slash podcast and you can find all the information about how to pray for Caleb and his family as they're going through this healing process. We definitely want to support them and show them love and make sure you check that out. Yeah, so let's rally around Ken and his family and show them the love they deserve. Thank you guys so much for listening. It really means the world to us. It's just such an honor to do this. It's such a gift to do something we love so much, something we believe in that's blessing our lives. I mean, I'm being so challenged and changed by these conversations we're, we're getting to have with these mentors who've taught us so much over the years. And it's so great to hear from people who are being impacted as well and they're learning and God is speaking to them through these conversations. So it's such a gift. I'm so thankful. Yeah. And you know, Thank you to each and every single one of you who shares how your life is being impacted by this. Yes, we love hearing from you. Personal messages on Facebook or emails. Gosh, it means so much. It really is the wind in our sails. So if you think about it, just shoot us a note or pop it out on social. Like tell the world because that's why we're here and that's what we're doing. So we're doing it because we love you and we care about you. So. Well, that's a wrap on episode 12. Episode 12. We did it. In the books. In the books. We're going to close this thing out as we always do. Remember, our friends, you only have one life. Live Live it it well. well.